Hi, welcome to the Lavender Menace podcast, where we discuss pop culture, politics, and media that we consume and enjoy with you all from the perspective of lesbian communists. Of color. <laughs> I feel yeah. like it's very important that we are not white. Yeah, um, true. Hi, I'm one of the hosts, Renaissance Marie, casual YouTuber, and uh, stan Twitter commentator representation presence mm. things of that nature amen i'm sunny booktuber also known as sunny book nook photographer also known as sunny with the camera at internet menace also known as um wait i don't know my twitter handle but you get the point cool so the first part of our comedy variety show is a discussion of a hot take and we don't have anything <laughs> because all of you failed us um, you guys failed us this week no one emailed us They're exactly we specifically requested for you to dm us or send us hot takes um throughout the week and also and... like some of the ones that y'all have submitted are non-discussable because they're just facts like like some of y'all will be like <laughs> like Paris was like dog people don't understand consent and it's like okay yeah that's just a fact <laughs> or like like when Evie was like oh minimum wage should be according to like the living wage it's like duh of whatever local area it's like what are you talking about <laughs> but also that's I, we also said we'll either praise your takes or we'll like deconstruct them and what we really were meant with that is give us something to roast you know, and if yeah. you just and give it, us something like, that we agree with. if something, okay, something that we can praise and something that we can deconstruct is something that, like, has to be, like, juicy and, like, have a lot of nuance to it, obviously. If mm-hmm. <laughs> like, if you're positive, if the hot take you make is something that's, like, really controversial and funny, then, of course, we have to discuss it if we de- if we agree or disagree as people are not, obviously. But, oh, my gosh, wait, hold on. I was thinking... I saw this TikTok the other day. Yeah, we're both on TikTok. It's, you know, Gen Z, millennial. I don't know. Okay, so basically I saw this TikTok that was like, that was like, okay, I get it when people say, like, um, I, I hate men and, like, men suck and whatever. I th- Did you watch this TikTok? I'm sure I sent it to you. It was like one that keep, was like keep describing it. I'm. Okay, I mean, it, I've seen takes of of similar nature. I think it was like oh, like I hate saying it, I'll hate I hate all men or whatever. It's like not good for like the gen. Well, like it's like fine as like a joke or, or someone someone was being like oh, it's like fine, but the thing is, is that in broader society or not even, but it's like it creates it puts energy into the universe that like it's like where what should we do about if if boys aren't don't think that they're valued and they're all hated then like oh shut up then then it's actually a net like negative like on society something and i saw someone respond to the stitch being like wait actually i don't even remember this was like from a week ago like dude time is passing so slowly but this tiktok i was just like so puzzled by it because it's like what are you talking about in terms of vibes? In terms of like vibes men are going to like the net vibes, the net societal vibes. In terms of the energy, like please. I mean, but no one like freaking has these takes when 
girls only like when little girls are so ingrained in thinking that their physical appearance is all that matters and or like they do have the response and the response is oh you're so silly why do you care about what you look like like you just need to be a deeper person and stop being so fucking like shallow and stupid and a little bimbo bitch dumbass like because as a girl like that's like you are either you are either well you're supposed to care a lot about your looks without caring like you're just supposed to just but also it's like even beyond your looks it's like being invested in what is like culturally girlhood like that's mm-hmm. that is so so much like how much you enjoy playing playing dress up and like playing with dolls and stuff it's like that's that's a measurement of like your girlhood and that's like an expectation almost and mm-hmm. a socialization like like speaking of the like I hate all men thing or whatever mm-hmm. I was talking to my one straight best friend and she has a boyfriend and she was talking about like this is what made what made me think of this she was talking about how like she's not gonna be like oh I, I hate all men or whatever anymore because it feels stupid because she's literally dating a guy like she's literally dating yeah. a man. like that's dumb and mm-hmm. she is also like also it kind of shuts down conversation with him um in terms of him being like oh ugh, yeah but you hate all men so and like doesn't say something uh, you know, and i'm like i'm like okay well first of all that's that kind of seems like a you pro- that's kind of seems like a him problem but that also does, like, that's i hate oh i'm making a video soon uh for those of you who want to subscribe to my youtube channel renaissance marie just first and middle name like on everything else and it's for it's in response to a podcast that i binged over 200 episodes took me so many months to listen to it anyway it's called the guilty feminist i'm not slandering this podcast i genuinely enjoyed listening to it and still listen to it still going to continue listening to it after i make the video but one of my biggest annoyances that they do on the podcast, which relates to this story, is that they always, like, whenever they're criticizing men, they, in, in order to, like, make sure that they're not alien, alienating their small male audience, they're always like, but we know, we know it's not actually all men when we're making these, like, general critiques or whatever about masculinity or something they're like jokingly because it's also a comedy podcast jokingly they're like oh but ha 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 not all men but like it's it's so annoying because it's just like sure it's like statistically whatever not every single man sexually harassed woman whatever but so few men who are not terrible like actually say things against the bad men so th- their presence is absolutely valuable for jack shit um it's like how all cops are bad in that even if an exactly. cop is like uh actually i think it's really bad to like racially profile people his presence in this police force isn't gonna make the police force less racist like he's just gonna mm-hmm. either get like kicked out for not being uh, evil racist enough, enough or he'll be just you know he'll just assimilate into the crowd um yeah because the entire system is bad obviously that's the same thing about manhood like and also well, it was like i also i think i can't remember if this was a tweet or a tiktok 
which is going to be a sentence you're going to hear a lot if you continue to listen to our podcast. I can't remember if it was a tweet or a TikTok. It's just you spend all their time on their fucking phones. Exactly. But it was like, if you, like, this might not be exactly what it was, but it's like, if you put three apples in front of someone and you're like, one of these apples is poisonous and you don't know which one, you're just not going to eat any of the apples that's in front of you if one of them is going to kill you. And so when people are saying, like, you know, all men are evil, all men are trash, or whatever. It's because, like, there is no physical marker. There is no way to know which are the bad guys and which, like, literally the bad guys and which one, which ones are not. Are, like, literally fine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's true. But I also feel like the reason why people, like, date men. <laughs> the reason? Even- no, there has to be. Are you that mentally insane Oh my date God, No, but I was thinking about, like, like some people would try to eat the apple just for the risk of it you know people would be like okay one of these is gonna kill me okay 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 i'll try and like and because some people are just really like into that right and recently i read yeah but that's still taking it like upon yourself knowing the risk involved if you yeah, no, like, no, 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 no. every interaction but, with a man should not be like this might be the one that kills me <laughs> like, yeah i mean for a lot for a lot of people it's like that's not really the case i guess because like mm-hmm. Because, like, obviously, most of people's, like, bad relationships with men is ultimately rooted in, like, a dynamic and, like, an actual, like, relationship and, like, you know, abuse of power and, like, power dynamics that are going on there. But, like, I think that the trope of, like, girls with daddy issues, like, seeking out toxic men or whatever, like, that that sort of idea, like, it doesn't ring true in a Freudian way, I don't think, but I think Mm -hmm. that... The fact that people are, there are people who are, like, actively, I mean, like, a lot of people are actively searching for someone who can, like, harm them, um, and that's, and that's for, like, for a relationship, or even if they don't, they're not actively searching for that, like, it's what they subconsciously end up choosing anyways, um, I feel, and I think it ha- it has to do with that analogy of like the apples like they're mm-hmm. so like people are so obsessed with trying to figure like trying to identify oh is this one fine and like maybe on the surface yeah but then once you bite into it and like get into the relationship it's like at like at any point something could go wrong at any point something could turn on you and this is just this is the case where like I guess like all relationships but okay this is the other thing that my friend was saying though um about like that I'm not gonna I'm not gonna keep saying like I hate all men or whatever because my because my boyfriend is like it like and it's like okay the thing is is that it's like she's like I know that my boyfriend obviously doesn't like mean any harm or in in doing this and this or like saying this and this like he's generally just like a very like very much like a bimbo like doesn't really you know mm-hmm. it's not like, he'll just be, he'll, like, hear what she says, and, or he'll watch, like, a ContraPoints video and be like, mm, this is so true, you know, like, and then just, like, <laughs> and that's the thing, it's, like, I feel like if men are going to, ha- or if men are going to exist, I feel like it's better for them to, if men are going to exist, if men are gonna yeah, exist, it's better for them to just, like, not really have strong opinions on, on, like, on, like, things, because anytime a man has a strong opinion on anything, whether that be, like, media or, like, politics or whatever, and, like, is, like, really loud about it, or, like, it's at least, like, really fervent about it, like, never is that ever a good person. Like, ne- like literally, like, it's not possible, you know? Well, um, because, yeah, because ultimately it's going to be something that benefits him 
in some ways. Yeah. And often things that men see of having value or being beneficial to them um, often come at the detriment of others. But I've also seen, I mean, I think, I don't know. It's not really my place to speak on this, but I've seen like some trans men or some trans mask people bring up the point of like saying like, oh, all men are bad, all men are evil, can come off as, like, transphobic, because usually <laughs> I the... I that, too, but it's also, like, I feel like it's Usually the men that we're talking about are, like, cishet men. Yeah, but that's just, like, like, trans men are still very capable and palpable to perpetuating the patriarchy, because you're a man, ultimately, and I think, like, like, it is trans, it's transphobic, I think, to exclude trans men from statements such as all men are bad, or, like, under the patriarchy, like, men are all gonna, because, like, trans men are men, so, yeah, Mm -hmm. like, and I know plenty of misogynistic and trans-misogynistic trans men in my life, um, (laughs) but, like, (laughs) it's, you know, it's, it's, like, I think that, like, those, like, the criticism of that, it's, like, it, it feels very much like, it's, like, no, you're not exempt, like, literally no man is exempt, and, like, mm-hmm. then the question of, like, okay, well, then how, what can men do to, like, be better, or, like, be a feminist, or whatever, and I think, like, that's possibly the most annoying question, like, that's possibly the most annoying, like, response or like or sort of reaction to that because it's like why is that my duty for you to figure for why is that my job to figure it out for you like why do Mm -hmm. I have to tell you what to do because you're the one who's been causing harm to the rest of us so shouldn't you be fucking figuring out like what you've been doing wrong like or you know like that's true it's similar to like with like white privilege I think when people are like people are like oh Oh be a better ally and it's like questions what can you do to be a better ally stop annoying me with your fucking presence like get out of my dms or like please like seek seek some like education but not just education because like there are plenty of like evil dudes who read like feminist theory and like you know think they're feminists or introduce themselves or label themselves as such um or even i un- or even ironically remove themselves from the label of feminism or feminist to like be perceived as more feminist by being like yeah i'm like a feminist man but not like in that way you know like i feel like that's uh that's the case but it's like the issue here is not even about like these labels and identities the labels and identities are like the problem like the label and identity and the construction of manhood is literally the problem so like trying to adjust the structure and trying to adjust the perception and construction of manhood is like that's like trying to like reform like the police or capitalism like you can't reform manhood like to be quote unquote a better man it's like well what are people talking about when they say that men suck like you know abuse of power and like sexual harassment objectification and like how that infiltrates every element of like how people view each other and themselves like maybe like think about like maybe let's think about that first you know like Mm -hmm. (laughs) no I agree I just think as a lesbian podcast um bringing that element in was important trans men are men and so I think trying to create these just say 
what you mean when you talk about what, like, like say yeah. what you mean. Yeah. So if you're talking about an experience that you've had with a particular man who was cishet and that is your experience and that's what you want to speak on, then use that. But when talking about the structures of manhood, what that means, what people mean when they say all men suck, all men are evil, or, you know, something happens and then those taglines trend again, um, you know, mean what you say. Yeah. And also, like, internalizing messages and, like, understandings of your identity without having to necessarily project your emotions onto into the situation or your own sense of selfhood onto it. And I know it's, like, it's really hard because, obviously, like, to put aside your own, like, feelings about something or immediate reactions to something, um, like understanding your own identity and position in the world and then like being able to interrogate the ways that you benefit from societal structures like that's that's what like that's what I guess like everyone should be doing and it's like with men uh with men I feel like they very much uh, they'll do that for a little bit but then reach a very like shallow point or conclusion to that it's it's very bizarre I think (laughs) Yeah, I agree. And I think men being evil um, will lead us greatly and swiftly into our next segment, which is analyzing the piece of media that we consumed together. So this is something that we both watched together recently. And the movie that I made Sunny watch against their will (laughs) was... Wonder Woman 1984. Now, before we get into discussing the film, I just want to mention that Sunny's behavior while watching the film was worse. Like, I have a seven-year-old niece and a three-year-old nephew whose behavior was miles, miles better than Sunny's behavior while watching this movie. Um, Like a perpetual child just asking and begging for anything else than what was in front of them. I mean, um, it's just, it was just torturous, honestly. Okay, and like, like knowing in my mind that there were better versions of what the film was trying to accomplish made me just like want to squirm out of my skin. Like I could not handle it. But like you, if if you had started your tirade, your tantrum <laughs> later into the film. Yeah, I didn't start 15 minutes in. I was like, this is boring. Let's watch something else. Less than 15 minutes in. It was still like the opening scene. You're like, this looks bad. That's how fucking bad this movie is. Like, it was bad from the first second to the last. And it was two and a half hours long. Why? It was literally why. It was so much. Even if it was a 90 minute movie, I still would have thought it would have been. No, literally. But like, it, it okay, was so if it long. Was a ninety-minute movie, reason. though, and if you could have, if you had to like script after that shit and like cut mm-hmm. everything down, like I'm sure there was a way to like find make a passable screenplay from this narrative. I guess. I mean, there are some like there were plot so many elements that could have been that were very bad in their conception, mm-hmm. but they could have been done better at least. You know, they were okay. First of all, why are there so many long moments with no dialogue? This movie is yeah. two and a half hours long. You're and not an indie film. You can't do that. 
Like well, you're not profound. They're not. There, they're, he's not well, poignant. Exa- there was nothing in the silence. It was just yeah. boring. Yeah. Like long swings from. There were so many scenes that didn't like the sequencing of the scenes made no sense, which really yeah. helped. It did not help it give any sense of plot no structure. or progression. It yep. just felt like a long, dry passing of two and a half hours without feeling like you're following any storyline at all. Like, if I don't bring so this up bad. now, um, well, okay, anyway, so this is making me think of Birds of Prey. <laughs> okay. Birds of Prey. Now, listen, listen, listen. So, Birds oh. of Prey is like one of my favorite movies, right? Um, I think it's so cool. Really? It's... I had no idea. Yeah, I yeah, I know. You can't tell. I know you can't tell. But it's basically about these cool ass women who, la- in the last minute of the movie, have to like bind together to fight against like evil people. But like, that's not the plot of the movie. That's not the structure at all. This, the, what, I'm, what I'm trying to say is that like the thing about Wonder Woman 1980. Four, four that was so fucking evil to me was I almost said 1989 Taylor Swift's grip on my mind <laughs> um oh my god wait at the end of the show we need to discuss some of our audience responses to our last episode yeah because I think yes, some things were brought up that were very interesting anyways anyways back to Birds of Prey um I, I remember while watching 1984 I was like dude I Birds of Prey did this in such a better way like even the framing of like okay like both of these movies have these have non-linear structures in or like or like a structure that kind of that that shows like the same time period but different things happening between different characters right like when you get the snapshot of the two people conversing in the other room while the other and like you know you get cut you you cut in between like those scenes which is what wonder woman tried to do but it like lagged so badly whereas the script was so tight and fast and comedic in birds of prey and that was something that i noticed because the entire time I was, while i was watching this movie i was like comparing it in my mind like i i wrote like i wrote out like a whole thesis paper in our zoom chat box about yeah. like the way <laughs> the ways that these movies like are kind of the opposite ends of each other on the same like plane um which is why which is why immediately after we finished watching the movie i forced renaissance at gunpoint uh, just yes. kidding um to watch no <laughs> it really happened even though we're in two different time zones and in two different completely geographical parts of the country Sunny uh-huh. somehow still managed to hold me at gunpoint and make me watch birds of prey yeah no it's true like and it was because the whole time I was like five minutes and I'm like, let's watch Birds of Prey. This is, this is, Birds of Prey did to do so badly well, in terms of being feminist and cool, featuring girl bosses, featuring yeah. this like world domination, greedy man, featuring, you know, like you just did everything but better. One thing, um, in the point about Wonder Woman 1980, 1984. And you Birds almost said 1989. I know, I know. you almost did. <laughs> because Taylor Swift is with us always. She is actually Jesus. If next week, if next week, okay, everyone's rumoring that she's going to drop TS10. That has to be the thing that we analyze together. No, like it has, no. Has because, to be. Oh my so God. So much of our, po- we only have one episode out. This is our second episode. And so much of it is based around Taylor yeah. Swift. Like, there's yeah. so much yeah. of our brand that just started. <laughs> but anyways, what I was going to say about Wonder Woman and Birds of Prey is that Birds of Prey, in its story, like, 
in the order that it's told is nonlinear. Like you jump from months ago to 15 seconds before to all these different things. But the sequence of the scenes makes sense. Like it creates a plot that makes sense. Whereas the Wonder Woman film doesn't jump around that much. Like maybe you see different people doing things at the same time. And obviously you can't watch those two scenes at the same time. But it's like set up quite like linear but the sequence of the scenes, the order in which you watch the scenes does not make sense. Like it is a poorly edited movie, which is another critique of the film is that for a movie that we looked up the budget afterwards, it costs like, I think $200 million to make. <laughs> it looks like 15 <laughs> from costumes, script, editing. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. you can make a better film with, like one dollar and, and a sandwich and like final cut pro on one mac you know honestly you would... i make better content every single day than whatever these people were trying to do your sunny's youtube it, don't waste your time with <laughs> wonder woman just watch birds of prey and yeah. sunny's youtube video mm-hmm. and the, that is better editing and video quality than mm-hmm. like that one that last jump scene at the end that I made us watch twice because it, it looks so cheap. Like, it looks like a green screen from 1984, <laughs> That looks like the no, technology. Like, this movie wants to be vintage, but the reality is that it is just mm. that old and bad in every way. No, but on top of that, somehow wildly historically inaccurate in terms of the clothing behavior oh my god. the yeah. hairstyles oh my god speaking of the hair you like pointed out the fact that like the guys like the wig like the top oh, thing was not matching his, his the other part of his hair color <sighs> i mentioned um, it like at least five times because that's, <laughs> that means that there are five opportunities for them to have fixed that hair piece and they <laughs> never did they never, never did never god no it was very evil but pedro pascal in case you're wondering listener at home <laughs> listen dear listener um mm-hmm. oh my god but yeah birds of prey is a masterpiece and uh, it's a masterpiece we're not talking about birds of prey no but them. i am so i think <laughs> we're talking about okay and that, uh, since we are a communist podcast though mm. one thing is that the film it's in the title of the film 1984 it's supposed to have these like cold war themes and like even if you read the summary on letterboxd it's it's like the film was it was advertised to be this like superhero cold war film which is why i wanted to watch it because it's like it has to be full of anti-communist propaganda that i but it, like it was to. so bad at it that it didn't even address it ever it was not a thematic point and I think it said the soviet union maybe like in when there is like overlapping news real going on like towards the end it it mentioned like the soviet union maybe like two or three times and even throughout the again two and a half hour movie (laughs) far too long they they said russia like two times in dialogue they they it's there's but there's not even metaphors there's not even any (laughs) nothing they just made shit up they literally just made shit up they made up this like terrorist group they made up like oh my god they made up like it's not in there at all like there's nothing about the cold and it's okay it's take it's taking place in washington dc in 1984 and they only mention the soviet union three times in passing and it, there's no 
like allegory like there's barely even references of the u.s military let alone yeah the cold war or any um like uh theory battles or but i feel like the other thing is that the conflict of the movie is supposedly about this guy who like is trying desperately to be like an oil tycoon or whatever and so he like interferes with like some using this like magical wish stone to like fuck with um oil in the world and like destroys the balance of like the fucking universe or whatever um and oh yeah the the mysteriously collapsed civilizations of the roman empire and the mayan (laughs) civilization mysteriously mysteriously that shit was something else like god no one knows what happened to the mind civilization don't you know that sunny like i couldn't tell you it's not common knowledge or easily googleable mm-hmm. slash look upable slash documented information apparently in 1984 that was too early for them to know how the mind civilization ended so <laughs> They hadn't played. It came. That information came out in 1985. Actually, so. <laughs> we're making fun of a a scene in the movie. In case you haven't seen it yet, where Wonder Woman, uh, or they're trying to figure out where the wish stone comes from. That's integral to the plot of the film. And Kristen Wiig's character is like, it's been seen in all of these uh, civilizations, like. The Romans had it, and then the Mayans had it, and then, like, some Chinese Right before dynasty. they mysteriously disappeared. Yeah. Like, what are you fucking talking oh, also, about? Also, Wonder Woman is the one who says it, and her cover-up is being, like, an archaeologist, like, PhD. <laughs> a fucking, like, a professor in this shit. Like, working for the FBI, like, for history <laughs> researches, and she doesn't fucking know how the mind civilization And ended. it's, like, and it's, like, it's, like, this big moment at the end where she's, like, putting yeah. together all these, like, papers and looking up pictures and being, like, oh, my God, I figured it out. Bitch, what are you, you're talking, you're saying you are the leader, in, you are, like, the leading scholar in this field of academic studies. You work with, like, the U.S. military, and you can't. You, it took you an hour and a half. It took you two hours of this movie for you to figure out, like, the supposed major conflict of the film. Oh, my God. And speaking of Wonder Woman, we need to complain about Gal Gadot. We must. It's necessary. Yes, this is, this was another, okay, can we talk, okay. There, <laughs> there's so much to start with. Uh, I'm a feminist but which was stolen from the Ghost Feminist podcast. My initial complaint that I was going to start with was how flat her hair is in this movie. I know that's not the biggest issue with Gal Gadot as a person <laughs> or her even her acting abilities, yeah. but her hair is so annoyingly not 80s in this film. Um, no, she's an atrocious actor. Oh, she- terrible. Like, <laughs> I've seen better say? acting in Vine compilations than better in acting two and a half hour in movie. like reading lines in your Spanish one class. Yo, like, yeah, I made that joke during. Yes, <laughs> that, watching, mm-hmm. I said that I've seen better acting in Spanish one skits and videos than Gal Gadot <laughs> in this film. It it's truly like the one text post that's like go girl give us nothing it's truly that to the max boots down yeah like 
she's just so bad like why who how did how wh- how does she have a career i don't understand the I don't fact get that we are in like, the same cinematic universe makes me upset <laughs> no it's silly it's very silly Ugh, margot robbie She's like margot robbie joaquin phoenix and gal gadot are all employed right. in the same cinematic universe Right. One of these no, things is not like the Not others. like the other. And I mean, okay. Ugh, back to Birds of Prey, which I prefer talking about, oh, obviously. But back to Birds of Prey, I think that, okay, like, the male gaze in the Wonder Woman movie versus the female gaze in the Birds of Prey movie, like, it's just so obvious. Like, it's so obvious that that Birds of Prey was directed by a woman of color, written by a woman of color, and this fucking movie was written by two dudes, and then I think, like, a white lady, and directed by another, like, white lady. Like, I can't. They're so evil and bad. Like, when are we gonna, when are we gonna ban white people from being able to, like, make movies? Like, I think that is... I agree with that. That's very necessary, I do think. It's so... But also, so many of the shots are so uninspired. And, yeah. oh my gosh, the one of the plot points, or one of the main initial characterizations of Kristen w- Wiig's character, listen, I cannot be arsed to learn any of these character names, mm-hmm. but of Kristen Wiig's character is that she is a grown adult who can't walk in heels, and apparently that's one of her biggest insecurities. Yep. It's so childish and just unrealistic to... Like, she is an academic. She has just been hired to work with the U.S. military or whatever, like, in a historical field. And you think the thing that keeps her up at night is her inability to walk in some, again, historically inaccurate shoes? Yeah. Like, give me a break. I hated that part very, very Mm -hmm. much. The whole characterization Mm -hmm. of, the whole character arc, really, of Kristen Zwick's character Mm -hmm is they did unrealistic so uninspired and just bad very bad. so twisted and evil like god that movie was genuinely so bad and also it's like it's so unmemorable there's nothing i can't remember anything about it it's just we watched so it two bad. days ago and i can barely literally any of it. It, it feels like i watched it when i was a child and i'm like re- reminiscing I remember just, childhood movies actually better than I remember this film that we watched. No, it's ago. so, it's so. There was bland. another. Oh well, one of the reasons why I really held out for us to keep watching was because of the scene where, um, one yeah, woman Gado saves, like, saves two, the kid. Yeah, these two Muslim children, which is very ironic. Um, she's in the fucking IDF like yeah she definitely has either was complicit or has uh, actively done war crimes yeah like she is a war criminal and suppose I mean I guess it makes sense that one woman would work for the US government and she served in the IDF because we all know so much better Holly Quinn just smashes shit inconveniences everyone around her and is cool and steals I think that's really cool Mm-hmm. Harley Quinn represents the girl bosses that we need in the world. Wonder Woman represents the girl bosses that need to be eradicated from society. That's a great take. I also think that, okay, some another comparison I was going to make was that even in terms of how 
these two different movies treated women and like how they dress and how they behave is so markedly different because in Birds of Prey there are many points in the movie where where they're like where like the fact of like what they're wearing is addressed in the setting of like their fights right like in the last fight scene where Harley Quinn is rolling around on roller skates um and like and Canary has to like tie her hair back in the middle of kicking ass and how people have to do a costume change before going into a battle because you need to wear your bulletproof corset or whatever like shit like even shit like that or like how how none of these characters were dressed in a way that seemed like too ridiculous to like exist in like they all wore outfits that were like okay this is like reasonable like uh, you know i could wear that and like not want to die within five minutes Mm. and they also always and the costuming was just so fucking like perfect in birds of prey and all the characters were and everything was but particularly that um and i think that that attention to detail even there and like the way that these characters well, can like... we, talk of, we mentioned in one of the first scenes of Wonder Woman 1984 is that she's wearing these thick ass wedges that mm-hmm. somehow make no impact on the ground uh-huh. when she lands mm-hmm. she lands going like easily like if not over a hundred miles per hour she's slamming kids like beanbags <laughs> left and right fucking tossing them around this mall <laughs> and then she lands like a fucking feather. on both of her feet in these yeah. wedges that have no support it like the on the ball of her foot like huh huh it's, like her costume There's the lack then, of gravity in wonder woman 1984 is astonishing how these I, like in the first couple of minutes when she has that kid land on the like toy horse i made yeah. us watch that scene like or that like five second clip like three times because yeah. that would have killed that child that would have broken all of their ribs yeah would have knocked the wind out of them and like she <laughs> she's swinging from her lasso of truth with the kid in arm and then slams it on this hard plastic toy horse and yeah. i know that might be picking hairs but it's really how the movie starts and it's so obviously like just follows no laws of physics nothing no and like that's the other it really takes you out of the movie like it doesn't even add a fantasy aspect it just takes you out of the movie it just looks ridiculous a different point a different criticism of the film is how like why they thought that and we talked about a bit this we talked about this a bit while we were watching is why did they think that the relationship the investment in the relationship that one woman has would carry over over the course of almost four years in between the films i cared a negative amount about the romantic investment of these two characters they never explained the importance of him coming back i mean obviously like it's implied with uh, lack of emotion shall i say gagata's lack of emotion or romantic interest um Shows like I guess we could, you know, infer that that was the love of her life and he left at a tragic time. They also incorporate the like his him being a pilot in this plane motif without any explanation. She just looks longingly up to a plane that flies over for no apparent reason. 
Um, I was so confused until he came back, and then I remembered. I was like, oh, yeah, he's a pilot, whatever. Not to make a comparison to Birds of Prey, because we have too many of those. But Harley Quinn's, like, anti-relationship or, or getting over her relationship with the Joker arc in Birds of Prey just serves the plot so much better than mm-hmm. how Wonder it Woman instigates everything. It literally instigates the entire plot. It, well, it, and and that's the problem with Wonder Woman is, is that the relationship the, the relationship added thing, nothing. Literally, I guess negative. it was supposed to show that that was like, oh, that's what she wished for on the stone, and so then that means that she had to give something up because the stone gives you something, but it also takes something in order to do that, and so she ended up having to give up. But, but I didn't even so, pick up on that because I don't give a fuck. It, I exactly, really don't care. You, care. you don't care at all. Like. That movie is like a movie happening to you instead of it's what begging Birds of Prey is like to look away. Action. It's literally begging you to look away. It's so... in, in the color usage, in the plot, in the writing, in the shitty everything. It's lit- it wants you to not watch. And no wonder it busted at the fucking box office. Yeah, I I, I don't think it's what it deserves. Playing that one on the pandemic, I think that's just because it was a bad movie. And the first group of people that went and saw it to- recommended it to no one. Right. And that's why it didn't make any money. But also, going back to our very first criticism of Gal Gadot and her bad acting, is that Kristen Wiig is a very good actress, um, very successful comedic actress. And the problem with having someone who is just as good as Kristen Wiig and someone who is very bad like Gal Gadot is that when you have them act together, you don't get the average of that talent. You uh-huh. just get Kristen Wiig setting up good chemistry uh-huh. and Gal Gadot just letting it flop miserably. Uh-huh. And that was really, really frustrating as an audience member to watch is that you you see Kristen Wiig fighting for her motherfucking life trying to make <laughs> something out of this dynamic. And Gal Gadot is giving paint drying on a wall. Like, it is so... Bad. This comment, this this film, on any side of the political spectrum, like at least when I watch a Marvel film, I know that I'm watching U.S. military propaganda. Like it is very clear. I know that I'm going to like pretend that I don't see it. I'm not buying into it. I just want to see you know bright colors, whatever snarky comments from superheroes. Like it, but it it still has a statement that it makes. Birds of Prey obviously has a very clear statement that it is making about authority figures, about feminism, about like the actual physical strength of women and how that's underestimated and how women use that underestimate of their strength Mm -hmm. to defeat, you know, larger men. Mm -hmm. Like these are films that at least take a stance somewhere, say Mm -hmm. something for the like placement of one woman, 1984, and to say nothing is it's like so empty. It's so it's, empty. It's a, it's and for an empty two and a half hours, it's not yeah. even like yeah. ninety minutes of emptiness. Okay, whatever, ninety minutes. But like you drag this out, not only for two hours, two and a half hours, and it's full of nothing. But it's like mm-hmm. the movie runs for the full two and a half hours, and you never catch a break of boring <laughs> it's so literally bad. never catch a break oh it's my a- god i think if the writing oh. was if think of everything else was different besides kristen wig being an actress even her character is terrible 
then this film might be better. If if everything fundamentally changed about this movie, I think it would be less bad. So I, I would give it that. I would have to agree. Since you have oh, made me watch Birds of Prey with you, not once, but two times. Yes. Um, and it will happen again, I guarantee. Okay, when you come to St. Louis, which mm-hmm. is where Sunny in St. Louis, haha. Um, mm-hmm. When you come to St. Louis, we are watching Birds of Prey. Like, it doesn't matter, you know? <laughs> Okay, well, since uh, Birds of Prey obviously, uh, or watching Wonder Woman uh, brought up Birds of Prey many times in our discussion while watching the movie, after the movie, and has taken up so much time on this lovely podcast episode that was not supposed to be about Birds of Prey. Yeah, Um, yeah, whatever. Everything is about Birds of Prey, just like everything is about Taylor Swift at the end of the day. Okay. Um, what piece of media do you have to recommend to me and to pitch to me for this episode? Well, today I was trying to send you a bunch of audiobook recommendations, but you couldn't find any because you have a shitty library system, I guess. Um, (laughs) I mean, okay, wait, have you seen Assassination Nation? No. Yeah, that's what we're next watching together. Like, I'm forcing you to watch it because when you were talking about the scenes in how Wonder Woman, like, you obviously, like, can't show um, multiple scenes happening at once. I immediately thought, well, in Assassination Nation, they do, like, a split screen thing where we're seeing a bunch of things. Yeah, and it's, like, a triple split screen. It's It's very interesting. And it's made by the same person who made Euphoria. So it has a lot of similar themes about social media, like daddy issues, um, a trans girl main character, um, dealing with trans misogyny, and also just the homophobia and misogyny of these dudes, these evil football dudes in high school, and also talking about um, like girlhood, and also addiction, um, and it explores these themes in this very interesting way that's like very action-packed, and that's why it's another one of my favorite movies. I just love movies about women killing men okay at the end of the day that's why i like that's why i like um the handmaiden one of my favorite movies the nightingale one of my favorite movies birds of prey one of my favorite movies oceans eight one of my favorite movies like when women scam or kill or otherwise inconvenience men or otherwise you know seek vengeance on them i am just so i eat that shit up i love it i think it is beautiful and i think it is amazing and more women should do it anyway so assassination nation it's about these teen girls at a high school and basically there's this huge leak that happens in their town where everyone's like private secret messages get leaked and so everyone ends up finding out in this town who's cheating on whom with whom and like one of our main characters is this like 17 year old girl who is a babysitter for this like couple and she's fucking the dad so they get exposed and also the, the the instigating thing of the instigating event of all of this is that the town mayor i think gets exposed for something like some like shady accusations of like pedophilia or something like that and so the very be- at the very beginning of the movie there's this press conference where everyone's like yelling at him and whatever and he kills himself on stage like he shoots himself in the head on stage and like that's like one of the opening scenes so that's the instigator, right? Then more and more people's shit gets leaked. And then everything goes insane. This town, ta- everyone in this town starts like wearing like masks to like cover themselves, like up to hide their identity. Everyone is like like getting armed and like people are getting harassed. And we're following these four girls as they are getting they're receiving a lot of harassment 
over the information that's been leaked about themselves. So that's what the movie is about. And it's so beautifully filmed. Like it's so aesthetically pleasing in the way Euphoria is with so many just rich saturated colors and these really like fleshed out characters who've experienced a lot of trauma in their lives. And, but still that like, almost like that light sense of like high school teenagehood. Um, I just think it's such a good movie and I think you would enjoy it and you will be shaken in your boots and it will be very exciting. So that's my media rec for you today. Yes. Thank you. That actually does sound good. And I'm happy that you are recommending a movie because that is something in my preferred um, medium of consuming media and entertainment. I ever notice how bitches who read books always can like are always like fandoms and like TV shows and movies and shit, but bitches who watch TV and movies have never read a book before. Isn't that very interesting? (laughs) Um, yeah, I think we are correct. Um, I mean, if I read a book, like right now, like you know, I read Normal People because I watched the show and I was like, oh, I really like the show, so I'll read the book. Um, but anyway, yeah, so that's not like... I haven't even watched the show, but that book is one of my favorites. You you have to watch the show. I'm not watching the fucking show. I don't give a fuck. I don't give a fuck. I literally don't care. Because I've heard people who didn't like the book like the show, and I'm like, that's very twisted and evil. I'm not consuming okay. media of people who didn't like this book. I love this book. I love it. I do. Fuck them. Who cares? It's a great show. It's like I don't care. I don't care. If you tell me a show is good, I will likely not watch it because I don't care about good shows. I'm sure <laughs> I care about shows that I care about. I care about Audience, Dairy Girls. I wish you could see my face right now because sometimes Sunny has these takes that just truly just <laughs> make me want to end it. You know, I I just that's the goal. I, I think personally um okay i well see i had a i had two recommendations one i told you before this which is the film professor marston and the wonder woman which i'm still going to pitch not only to you but to the audience i think everyone should watch this film it is about um three people really equally professor marston and the wonder woman the two women and he is the credited creator of Wonder Woman, the very original Wonder Woman, because there are, in fact, many eras of Wonder Woman. And the Wonder Woman that we watch in the film with Gal Gadot is not the original conception of who that character was supposed to be at all. Of course. And um, Wonder Woman is actually very sexy and anti-Thorian. Um, like in terms of like U.S. authority and very sexy, strong messages of BDSM, but in like a consensual way and like sexual exploration with healthy partners. Um, very, very fun, very sexy. A sapphic. Um, several references to Sappho and like Greek islands. That's why she's from this mysterious old woman island is because. Wonder Woman was sapphic. Um, canonically. And so, very awesome. Canonically, so, babe. It's canonically. Canonically, <laughs> whatever. So, um, 
The director and screenplay of the film is Angela Robinson, who is a Black lesbian. And it's, like, the lesbian view that makes this film is so very explicit and real. Like, no one else would be able to make this movie this good um, besides a lesbian. Because, like, it's very sexy. That's true Very fun. Hmm? That's true for many things. Exactly. Lesbians just make things better. But it's very sexy in a non-objectifying way, in a non-like voyeuristic way, which just allows it to be even more enjoyable. Like there's, there's no guilt in the way that this movie is portrayed. Um, but we the film one explores the relationship that Professor Mark. Professor Marston has with his two wives and the way that three-way throuple relationships works amongst the three of them. It also explores how Wonder Woman came to be and how Wonder Woman is a mix of both of his wives, um, Olivia and, or Olive and Elizabeth. And it also explores how he like went on trial. He was, um, he was asked to stop making Wonder Woman because parents of America thought it was like teaching kids consent was a bad thing, if you can believe it or not. And so he almost went to prison for like corrupting the minds of the youth. Um, and that plot line is weaved throughout the movie in a really interesting way. Uh, and it just, this movie is gorgeous. The soundtrack is amazing. The script is good. If you want to watch something that's about Wonder Woman, I highly recommend watching this movie. Miles above watching um, Wonder Woman 1984, I I actually recommend watching any movie besides watching Wonder Woman 1984. That is how bad it is. But I also have another recommendation, but it's a show. And I know that if I say I have a good show to recommend to you, you're not going to watch it. But it is about a woman who, like scams and deceives and hurts men so i want to recommend it and it's sapphic in a really also fun and sexy way are you gonna recommend to me killing eve no what are you recommending to me well with the way you said killing eve now i'm I'm nervous it's not killing eve but now i'm just like you're not even in the mind space to be accepting or (gasps) open-minded this is like how people are with gays they're like i don't even like it i'm not even gonna i'm not even going to um, like, like, just the close-minded vibes that you were giving me about show recommendations. Oh, just really shows are such a commitment. I can't do that. I can't. This, is, this is the one season. I mean, they just finished filming the second season. I'm twiddling my thumbs, waiting for it. But it's only uh, the recommendation. Okay, that I, I've I seen give. some of Killing Eve. I'm not fine. recommending Kill. I mean, I, I know, but what I'm saying is that my reaction but... to Killing Eve is not just that. Okay, so what's the show? What's the show? I, I maybe I haven't heard of it. That would be fascinating. I don't. If you have heard of it, I'd be very surprised because it's an Icelandic show called Stella Blomqvist, and I'm not even sure if I'm pronouncing that last name right. Um, but it is on. You can get it on Amazon Prime, or it's um with Sundance. Sundance um is the carrier of it, and so I just have that on my parents' Amazon account. Thank you to my parents. Um, but it's, yeah, call, I, I'll put it in the show notes or whatever, but Stella Blomkvist, if you speak English, it's spelled 
how it sounds. And it's about this Icelandic lawyer who initially gets hired to help this, like, case that's just supposed to be this simple murder, like, oh, he was found with the body, it has to be him, da 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 And then it ends up just, like, spiraling and being this big, like, government conspiracy and cover-up, and so many more people are involved than initially thought, and it's very that the writing of it i mean obviously it's in icelandic so i'm reading the subtitles um but i have talked to people who are icelandic who watched it and the english subtitles to the icelandic version is very accurate so i feel safe saying that the writing is very good it's not just the english subtitles um the way that it's shot is really fun the use of lighting is really super fun it gives kind of um have you seen atomic blonde no Oh, okay. I'm, I'll hold off on that one. I won't recommend that one just yet. But Atomic One, or we should watch it together because it's been a while since I've seen it. But um, the it's play with colored lighting gives very Atomic Blonde vibes. And she literally just like uses men for disposal. It's, it's very fun. The main character, she's a little bit um, evil. There's a really hot MILF in the show. Um, who's also sapphic, who has a bimbo husband. Um, so I really love that. And yeah, she fights men and tries to ruin their careers as a hot Icelandic lawyer. So I see. If I watch the show, mm-hmm. what will you give me? <laughs> no, no, no. If I watch the show within five minutes, I'm bored. I won't keep watching it. But I don't think I, guess, you, we'll I don't think you'll be bored within the first five minutes if I'm remember I I know I'm remembering the show correctly. The first episode is very strong, but you have zero patience. Like you have zero patience. You it's get true. That's why I love for Bill. You get emerged into it immediately, and it's immediately so poppy and oh, perfect. Anyway, what's the <clears throat> new TikTok audio that was like? You smoke weed. That's fine, but I think it's getting to your brain a little bit. That's how I feel about you and your patience level is, um, but not necessarily with weed, but more with your new drooling habit. It's like, you know, I think it's getting to your brain a little bit. Because the patience is getting to your head. Yeah, it's affecting, it's affecting your brain a little bit and that you have negative patience. <laughs> you don't even give a single second for something to build or any narrative structure at all. Not to say yeah. that Wonder Woman 1984 has any narrative structure, because it does not, but you right. gave up so quickly, like, before <laughs> anything happened. Like, the title page just left the screen, and you're like, I'm over it, I'm done. So, Well, it was that boring, so. But you, like, you said it before. Don't blame me, love made me crazy. Don't blame me, literally. I do blame you. But you should yeah, watch Professor it. Marston and The Wonder Woman. And if you get around to it, you should also watch Stella Blomqvist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll try. I'll try. Oh, my gosh. No, okay, I'm going to make you watch Professor Marston. So yeah, okay. Yeah, that okay. one is going to happen. Right, right, right. And with that, we're going to head out into the outro of the podcast. We episode. need to discuss the responses to our first to our first podcast. Oh, yes. Let's definitely. Our fan responses. <laughs> yes so one of our biggest fans uh an icon named teo who is famous on vanderbilt twitter (laughs) they let us know 
of this article that was written by like this Harvard English professor <laughs> talking yes. about like the queerness of Taylor Swift and I think the article name is our love our love lasts so long referencing you know our love lasts so long. you know the song the fucking song you don't want to fucking talk about but also, it's it's a double entendre exactly well actually it's it's a triple entendre yeah cuz it, it's, it's it's referencing talking about- the song and it's mm-hmm. referencing what the article will go on to discuss is is the the queerness of girl friendships that yeah which is what have... made me think about these books these books remind me of that in that and... in terms of like that female friendship bond and like how you're expected to give mm-hmm. it up once you leave girlhood once you exit that but it lasts so long uh, literally our love lasts so long that that bond is just so integral to people's identities as well and the and the triple entendre is the our love lasts so long our love lasts so long for taylor swift and we are not giving exactly. that up and what that and that's what that's the the article is about mm-hmm. and the it really i think debunks the idea that all of these gay lords are just like grasping at nothing and yeah. are just dumb and don't know what they're yeah. talking about and they're just like superimposing their identity or, or their wants to be with Taylor Swift which again Taylor Swift free anytime call me yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> imposing that onto her with like no basis and this literally Harvard professor Harvard English professor like no if you actually look at the like what she has written um, in both past albums, but specifically folklore, you can't just dismiss. You can't just dismiss these these Gaylor theories just because, you know, oh, we silly like, little girls are talking about them. Yeah, and it really talks about how you know whether or not this is true about Taylor Swift, the person, like as a real person living her own individual life the public moves that she's made in terms of having such public friendships that have ceased to continue or um you know the way that she portrays girlhood in her writings and stuff like that is a part of a long tradition a particularly folklore tradition and of like media and stories that are told by known sapphics historically present lesbian writers even though you know not superimposing the lesbian identity onto Taylor Swift as she could be it's bisexual. Like it's like or, the, the queer theory of it all. Yeah, the, more the queer theory of it. Um, and how, like, those motifs are very present in her writing. And, you know, it also discusses about how, like, oh, when she first came on, like, when her first album came out and she came out on the scene, she was, like, 19 years old, so it made sense for her to be talking about teenage friendships because she would have just have been those ages. And now, Sis is in her 30s, like, 32 years old, and still writing songs about teenagers and 17-year-olds and things like that. And it's it's just the persistence of queer in her music girlhood and like the the queerness of girlhood i guess yes um and how that doesn't just go away when you get older that was a very cool recommendation from a listener and also just thank you to all the people who have either texted myself or sunny saying that you've listened to the podcast and that you have enjoyed it and that you enjoyed our banter we um, appreciate it so much because yes. we enjoy our banter we love we what do. other people do too we would be having these conversations whether or not we were recording them we have been talking 
very much for a number of months of in conversations that have gone unrecorded. So this is really just opening up our nightly routine <laughs> with to our audience, to our yeah. fans. Indeed. So thank you so much for listening and actually appreciating it. I with love that, that so long. Amen. Where can people find you on the internet, Sunny? Uh, Sunny with the camera on Instagram, a Sunny Booknook on Twitter, a Sunny Booknook on YouTube, and uh, don't find me on TikTok. <laughs> and for me, I am Renaissance Marie on YouTube, Renaissance Marie on Instagram, and Renaissance with an X. That's R X N A N A I S S A. This bitch can't even spell their own name. Shut up. I'm <laughs> on Twitter and my display name is Titties with two Ds. Um, and okay. if you want to find me on TikTok, uh, it's at Renaissance Marie, but I barely post anything and my TikToks are not very good. Um, that's just that's just a, a qualitative fact. That's not a downplay on <laughs> my own ability. Uh, the jewel smoke is getting to me. Yep. Heading out. Goodbye. Bye. Mwah. Mwah. Ciao. <laughs> oh my god.